Pinterest? No, 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 no. I think they stopped. They said there's uh, 35% of their new users are men. Really? Yeah. Pinning fashion stuff? No, nah, just, just, just out of their... Yeah, what do you pin? If you're like, you, you could pin fashion stuff. There's absolutely no reason you couldn't. You can pin anything that's an image. Absolutely anything in the world that's an image you can pin on Pinterest. And then what do you do with it? Probably, so I think the way they word it is, is you, they're, you're planning to do something and right. you're planning food, to take, like, an, take an action. You can pin your favorite restaurants. You can pin the car that you want. You can pin, you know. That's you, what I thought it was for, was pinning things that you want, but I never thought it made a connection of like pinning the stuff that you're actually going to buy like, like tomorrow. Yeah, they're, they, they're, they have very, very good branding. It's like you're saving the future. That, that's how it was worded to me by the Pinterest person. Wow. Uh, so you're saving the future so that you can discover, save, and then do something with that. We should that pin. We might have to do the next episode on Pinterest. That would, I, I would love to talk to their data scientists. They just they put out a paper in May showing you how to build your own deep learning system because they with open source tools for you know. Have you asked to talk to the data scientists? Um, I don't think I've talked to them directly yet. No. Hey folks, this is Zach from the Small Data Podcast, and if you can't tell already, we're doing something a little different with this episode. Right now, you're listening to me sitting in the middle of New York City on a patio at the offices of Fast Forward Labs. It's Fashion Week, and I'm hanging out with Jessica Graves, a real-life data scientist and expert on the intersection of data, technology, and fashion retail. So you cut off, you were saying you're the only person in the entire world looking at fashion and data. Not at all. There's so many companies now. Uh, it's it's for the most part. If you're not working at one of those one of those startups who kind of started in tech and wanted to infiltrate the fashion industry, uh, it's it's not really a good way to learn like what are what are the most advanced capabilities that can be applied to fashion and then to retail in general and and things like image processing in general. Wait, there's a lot of companies doing this. Yeah, so there's List, um, Farfetch to some extent, uh, definitely Stitch Fix has some kind of analytics going on in their background. Um, who else is doing machine learning? Uh, Cortexica, Slice, and maybe one or two other ones are specifically targeting deep learning in the fashion industry. I mean, the fashion industry is a it is an extremely good use case for neural networks. So interestingly, in parallel, like lots of people have been coming out and, and they've got a PhD in computer science and they spent all their time with neural networks. And the most supportive commercial application is often visual search in the fashion industry. So it, now it seems like every month or so or every couple months, somebody else from another country is like, oh, I got a PhD and I worked on this neural network for two years. And now we're releasing a fashion app. Okay, so so far we've established that fashion and machine learning is a thing. I honestly did not know that before hanging out with Jessica. And to listen to Jessica tell it, not only is it a thing, but it's the thing, with some of the best machine learning and artificial intelligence minds working in fashion use cases because there's some of the best commercial applications, like visual search, which makes sense. To take a step back, let me tell you why we decided to share this conversation with Jessica. The charter of the Small Data Podcast is to try to tell stories about that tiny place where data touches humanity. I'm not going to lie to you, storytelling podcasts are impossible. We've learned a ton, we're trying our best, but man, it's like banging your head through a brick wall, trying to tell a great story that is worthy of your time. I'm telling you, stick with us, we have a few ones in the pipeline right now that I love, there's going to be some really good ones. 
But in the meantime, what we realize is that we're meeting with all of these real-life data scientists, and they have some amazing stories and personal journeys as well. I got to hang out with Jessica at her labs. I got to Skype with her a few times. And as she brought me into her world, not only did I learn stuff, but I was struck by her passion. Jessica is on her own personal journey, and these interviews document where her head was at and the time that she was working for a super cool, trendy research lab in New York City. Since the time of this taping, she has moved on from the lab and is now working more directly in the fashion retail space, where she has the opportunity to make the future she talks about in this interview a reality. Yes, we're talking about the future where mirrors in your dressing room secretly send text messages to your friends. But we didn't get there quite yet. So we're sharing this conversation with Jessica in hopes that you'll enjoy her passion and her vision, and we can definitely do it more regularly with other data scientists. Tweet us at WeAreSalt.io, email us, call us, give us your thoughts, let us know if you'd like to hear more. We appreciate your listen. Everything we talk about will be included in the show notes page along with a bunch of links to Jessica's work. You can find the show notes if you browse to the website salt.io and click on the podcast button. And so then reading your article, that was kind of talking about the tech that's in stores. So like, if, if you were to imagine like a world in 15 years where all of that stuff is happening, what is it like when I walk into a store? Um, well, there's, oh, it's, there's a few, I mean, there, it's, there's an interesting kind of, uh, not necessarily divide, but there, it's interesting to think about, you know, what's, what is the user or, you know, shopper going to tolerate and, and versus what is physically possible now with certain types of algorithms um so, so like, do, at some point case where it's like uh they do the extreme case where we just implement everything we know how to <laughs> i mean then you walk in uh the store associate if there even is one had already knows that you are specifically walking in because they did facial recognition from outside the store they recognized your car they recognized uh they've already analyzed what you're wearing that day and matched it back to everything else you've ever worn when you walk into the store uh so the associate or the robot uh will immediately have some ideas for you um they'll be like maybe like those jeans look ratty zach we got some nicer ones <laughs> I think more like, oh, you know, based on, you know, where they're just slowly kind of filling in your profile and then, you know, saying, okay, well, if she likes skinny jeans, if she wants something similar, then we've already kind of color matched and, and pattern matched and texture matched everything in our that's in stock right now. And we're actually having the robots in the back move it to the front in case we need to go back and get it. Um and then, you know, if she asks for something different, here are the most, you know, statistically different, you know, products that we have in inventory. Uh, it, it's almost like it can just prime, it can pre-arrange everything based on, you know, who exactly who's walking into the store. Um, it's possible, I mean, probably there'll be a lot more smart mirrors and screens. So, like, the, they'll give you some kind of screen interface. I'm not sure how long that will stick, but it's there still will be so I think there that's the kind of the biggest uh, slowdown is the fact that so many of these interfaces are through screens. So we'll have to figure out a much uh, a much nicer, more tactile way uh, to constantly restructure and reshape what you're offering uh, per customer. But why would a mirror um, be smart? Uh, so eBay research has done a lot of uh, research into smart mirrors, which wants to know who's 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 trying on what in the store. What is their body shape? 
what kind of experience are they having when they try garment on? Um, so what kind like of being recorded? Like you're being recorded in the in the changing room. We're talking about what's possible, right? right so yeah, it's the to- they've case. already right now, as of this day, they've they've already got the capability to do that, and they've already done a lot of testing with that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's been implemented. It's it's really hard to say. Like there's like a um, camera on the other side of the mirror. It's like two way glass. I, I can't. I can't. Well. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's what's in stores right now. I'm just saying that's what they have published that they've been able to develop is a camera, like up the smart mirror, of course, is smart for you and will help you easily select a different size if it doesn't fit, etc. Take a selfie, send it to your friends, have them pick different colors. So you don't have um, to like walk out and show your friend and they say yes or no, like the mirror tells you yes or no. You can, well, you can text your friends, you know, a picture of you in that outfit you know, through the mirror. There's another, there's another what? startup I'll look up the name of. It's a very similar thing. Uh, it's not eBay research. It's like another, there's a whole startup just dedicated to smart mirrors. And it will totally do that right now. It'll change the color based on other colors that it has in stock. It'll like, so you'll have a picture of yourself and it'll change the color around. You can compare two different outfits. It gives you a 360 view. Um, you can tweet it to your friends. You can crowdsource about which one you buy. You can ask which shoes go better. Like you can, oh if you God. want to be social, you can already do that right now. I think it's deployed at like Neiman Mark at um sorry, yeah Neiman Marcus has a couple of stores with these mirrors. Um, but the problem still being that it's it's very one to one, and if somebody's using that mirror and now someone's using it even longer, then you've just lost a bunch of customers who want to also use the mirror. I just tried um, on a suit at Neiman Marcus like last week. Uh, depends on which depends on which location you're at. That's okay. So you have smart mirrors, you have robot assistants. They know what you want when you walk in. They know what you have. So they're like Zach. You like graphic tees. We got a new Hulk T-shirt in that you've never seen before. We know you're a size large, and it's already in the box for you. Give us your money. <laughs> which you'll pay through, you know, mobile checkout if you even have to wave or swipe anything. <laughs> Maybe you'll just smile the right way and they'll they'll purchase and send it to your house, but um I think at this there there will also be uh what was missing from that picture? Uh probably they'll be able to simulate the look of the garment on somebody with your figure if you want, which which is another user experience thing that people might actually not want at all. Could they do someone that like weighs 10 less pounds than me? <laughs> they'll probably do something with much firmer version of of whatever you, you are <laughs> that's that's almost definitely gonna happen because i i think what some body scanning companies found um or or kind of tell i've heard from industry experts who talk to a lot of you know tech companies in fashion uh one of the rumors is that you know people hate seeing body profiles of themselves they like absolutely hate seeing avatars that match them right. um so, but at the same time, it'll be able to use the data from those avatars instead of showing you the avatars and use that data to match backwards um, and say, okay, we've got this one startup has like scanned this, you know, scanned this item. So we just automatically extracted all the measurements of this exact shirt and not necessarily guesstimated. And we've got this avatar we've created of the specific person's body automatically through our crappy like security camera footage. Uh, with deep learning, uh, and now we can find we can create a set of everything in the store that will fit that person, um, and then we can further whittle it down by okay, other people with this body type bought that kind of logic, or 
Um, oh, so it's like a photo gallery where I can almost see myself in every shirt and just sort of swipe through real quick until I see something well, I like. Well, it's it's a it's it depends, right? So they might show you, but it, it doesn't even matter if the sh- they show you. It's more of the the sense of they'll have information, ex- like pre- pretty precise information on whether those garments will fit you or not in the first place before they even you know show you anything or talk to you or ask you what you want they'll have a better set to choose from. So instead of you walking around, finding something you love, finding out they don't have your size, it's in Nova Scotia, um, they'll be able to offer you recommendations based on things that they know will fit you. And then from there, add on the layer of visual search, which is like, oh, I just brought in this picture of the sunflower and the sunflower is so beautiful and I want something like the sunflower. And then they'll just, you know, look for things that are green and yellow or look for things that have a certain texture and, and, you know, that kind of that kind of visual search part of it will also have its place, but it, it doesn't really matter if they show you the avatar or not. I think there there's some case that you won't want to see the avatar, but it's more so they'll have data saying, we know that this product will fit this body with this much accuracy um, or so- that these people who have bought this with this body shape never return. Uh, that kind of Basically, the, the goal is to get people into the fitting room because people who take things into the fitting room are, are way, way more likely to buy. So it, is, so, it is, so it is true. When I went to Neiman Marcus, I was walking to the fitting room with a suit and the sales lady stopped me and she was like, no, honey, that's not going to fit you. And, <laughs> and like turned me back around. Yes. So like, where are the humans? Where are the humans? Because she knew that was like the slimmest cut suit that they offered in the entire line and whatever. So like, where are the humans in this extreme world? Like, because because people can sort of do that intuitively if they've been doing yes. it a long time. Absolutely, and I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, kind of pitfall assumptions is that people won't be involved or people don't need uh, human validation for the decisions they're making about what they're putting on their bodies. Um, even just knowing that, okay, a robot found this for me might weaken your affinity for that for that item, uh, which is why they do try to like retro build in social shopping. And I'm like, well, you might want a social shop, but you might also just want someone to be like, hey, you look great. Or like, right. hey, want to try these platforms. And it has nothing to do with finding the item. It has to do with a human person. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, don't some stores do the whole like super attractive clerks or whatever? So you're like talking to... <laughs> I think I I mean there yeah I mean I think even my doctor's office does that. Right. So where does that fit in cuz they must do a study to know that like that sells stuff. Um I don't know if we're at the point where it's I mean we can't exactly go the McDonald's route of going oh no minimum wage is too high let's get some robots and just people will touch through the screen. Um I think I think what is what's uh, what's going to slow people down is that even if you you know kind of train an algorithm to recognize someone's body, uh, when you unleash that into the wild, there's so many edge cases with regards to, to bodies that it could get really offensive or really not helpful real fast. Right. Um, and so you know if you what happens when like a 17 year old girl walks up to the counter. Or walks in and she gets some automated recommendations that are more appropriate for like a you know forty year old woman because of her body shape, right? Uh, or vice versa. Um, so at some point you don't want to build in kind of assumptions for for your algorithms to kind of put people in a place that doesn't make sense for them. So I actually think um, I think for the most part, especially for higher end, uh, 
you're always going to need people there. It's just that the tech will be there to help the people, um, to give them a better set of options with which to recommend to you. Um, but I mean, honestly, there's, there's, there's so much work to be done in retail before that happens. Like, uh, I've, I've read articles where somebody returned a shirt in one store in America, but they bought it in France and they like, actually that same store couldn't return it because they are on two totally different sales systems right. and they can't see it in the system and, and it's not connected. And, well, why, why is anybody fixing that problem? <laughs> Before we get to the deep learning, there's so, so many other kind of tech problems uh, just for the very basic things of like, I paid for this. Do you remember, you know, that I paid for this? Boom. There you have it. Aspiring founders. Sounds like there's literally no end to the problems that still need to be solved in the fashion retail space. Let me tell you, Jessica is the real deal. You heard a bit of the extreme case of the retail experience in the future, but she went on to talk to me for over an hour about the host of privacy concerns and issues and how they need to be thought about, as well as educate me on all things Pinterest, which, I'm not going to lie to you, is something. Your labs, Fast Forward Labs, is sort of a collection of people like you who are working on all kinds of problems. You, you happen to be working on this fashion problem, but you guys uh, look at other problems in other industries. Um, we're so we're pretty small. So um, I'm definitely probably the most wild card in in Fast Forward Labs. Uh, for the most part, we focus our energy on um, on producing machine learning research documents that will help lots of industries move forward at once. Um, I, I do those, obviously like, quarterly research reports where you like pick a technology that's like almost ready to go and, yeah. and show people how to use it. Yeah, yeah, and we're very specific about it. We go through the prototyping phase. We look at every single library we could have used. We look at the hardware. So we have people who are, you know, have been, you know, data scientists before. We're very our designer, who's who's totally amazing, is there every single day. There's no like, oh, we're gonna have a UI kind of as an afterthought. It's like, no, we consider the design process also part of this research process. Um, we've got somebody who's got a long history in IT. We've got somebody who's got a long history in law. And also our sales and marketing person is very, has like, she's got, she's also got a math degree and, and has done a lot of uh, deep research in her grad degree about philosophy of science and how science progresses. So we're all pretty much nerds. As we're about to close, I just wanted to take a second to say thank you so much to Jessica for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us and share your thoughts. And also thank you to Fast Forward Labs for letting me visit. I'm a super fan of both and will definitely stay tuned to see great things. Lastly, thanks to you, dear listener. We appreciate your attention. Check out the show notes page for more detailed information. And I really hope we can do this again. That makes total sense. So I can hear in your voice, you sound pretty passionate about this, this sort of entire uh, like area. So like, where does that come from? Um, I've been in, I've been into fashion forever. I'm one of those people who was born with a copy of Vogue in their hands and, you know, took fashion classes at FIT and Parsons as a high school student. Um, it's just, I mean, there's, there's always been a kind of mix of art and commerce in my family. Uh, we have some artists, some sales executives, some designers, engineers, um, and so fashion just fashion makes sense to me in a way that nothing else makes sense to me. And it's also something that combines pretty much everything in the world. Like, you know, you can't have fashion 
there's no fashion industry if there's no agriculture industry if there's no chemistry if there's no uh you know sales if there's no business if there's no finance it touches every single it, it touches so many industries in the world um i just think it's one of the most fascinating uh kind of problems and also just very very visual very aesthetic very rewarding that makes a lot of sense i never thought of it like that you're right it touches everything that's kind of crazy. I, I can't think of anything it doesn't touch. It's it's it fuels a lot of architecture. Um, now that e-commerce is a big deal, it's fueling like neuro, like how how is fashion? How would fashion ever predict like oh you know in the two thousands there'll be a lot of neural networks PhD theses coming out, and their only application will be the fashion industry or or their first application will be the fashion industry. Like it doesn't make nobody could have you know told me. Say ten years ago, or you know, as I was growing up, you should just get a PhD in astrophysics, and probably that'll be the most relevant thing you can do uh, to work in fashion tech. Yeah, so you get uh, to do what you love by combining two things that most people don't even know can be combined. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting because I I think a lot of people are like, well, I I don't think of fashion as a smart thing, but then I met you and I realized, oh, smart people like fashion, so maybe there's something in there. Yeah, totally. It's kind of depressing, but it's it's getting it's getting a lot more popular. 